0: Greetings and salutations. This is the Phil Brothers Journey. What?
1: Cheers to the process.
0: Cheers to the process. Let's get it done.
1: Ah. Smooth. I, I- how was that? How was that?
0: First time ever, Hennessy going down like <laughs> smooth butter on a skillet that's been warmed up in July. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love that description because it's so true. It is smooth like butter. It tastes like butter and uh, taffy. And it, it's just rich. It's love dandy. It.
0: So I will say. Um, so again, pre pre game, just to throw it out there for our listeners is a, a shot beforehand, and it's uh, it's. Guest's choice, and when my guest today said Hennessy, I was like, it's on, hell yeah. (laughs) So let me introduce my guest today, Robert Tyndale. He is a podcaster. He is a media expert. He is an esports veteran. He is an amazing father, because I've seen him on screen with his adorable and hilarious child. (laughs) <laughs> and he is a uh, co-creator with his wife of amazing music videos which i've seen one of and with her antics uh, harassing you i absolutely love. So everybody welcome Robert Tyndale, aka Bobby T. What's up?
1: Hey, what's up Phil? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this discussion. I'm excited to join you on this chat because i, I we we've, we've had so many interactions, but we haven't had a deep interaction so I'm excited to for today and thank you for having me
0: yes sir yes sir so let uh, the listeners know how in the heck did we meet
1: oh so <laughs> uh, we met through this really awesome platform called ultra speaking um, which is ultimately yes about how to become a better speaker but more importantly how to become a better communicator how to become a better storyteller and then I think personally how to become a better um, person altogether and, and so through those experiences, through the stories that you were sharing, through some of the stories that I was sharing, I think off the get, we were just kind of rifting and just um, immediately there was like that energy that um, sometimes that thing you cannot even really tell. And so through those back and forth moments and through those conversations, yeah, we met each other. And because of the digital age and the power that's upon us with um, us being, I'm from Canada, you're down in the States, um, why not connect? Why not build those relationships? And so that's how we first connected.
0: Here we are. Thanks to Ultra Speaking. And I agree with that assessment. Ultimately, I started the journey of like I just want to speak comfortably, you know, and a lot of my friends and family like, dude, you already speak pretty comfortably. But just like what we cheers to, which was the process, is how can we not get better? Can we not improve? Get more comfortable? And in that, it's been amazing meeting people that are so fascinating all over the world and... Mm-hmm. Implementing that that philosophy of becoming a better person and really getting into some deep philosophical and spiritual principles that you then apply to speaking.
1: 100%. It, it's been awesome. 100%.
0: So what uh, the main inspiration, or not made the main, but one of the last straws that broke the camel's back of like, I've got to ask Bobby T to get on this podcast, was when we were working together in a, an Ultra Speaking <laughs> Challenge... And I think we were like, what, we were stranded on an island in this theory, right? And first of all, we were chatting like beforehand, like, what are we going to do? Like, let's do a sales call. Like, let's do this. Like, we were trying to strategize a little bit. I don't know if it's it's the rule. So, Vivian, if you're listening, you know, that's what we did. Uh, (laughs) But then they gave us a scenario. What do you remember from that back and forth? Uh,
1: I remember so, so much. First off, uh, what we decided to kind of rift was – on the idea that we were already rescued and we were just chilling we were just kicking it and i I think that premise that framework says a lot of our personalities that in a a time if we were truly like i truly felt that if we were about to get rescued we could still just then be happy because that's coming so we could just kick it now and just live in that moment to be present have that vibe and so in that conversation, I remember we were going back and forth about what we were excited for and also what we were almost appreciating in that moment, whether it's around just staying on the beach, kicking it, having a conversation, putting pause on some of the responsibilities and just focusing on where we're at right then and there. And so that was fun, kind of rifting on that. What, what, what kind of resonated with yourself yes. around that conversation?
0: I, I agree. First of all, there was lots of laughing and silliness. Um, I feel like, uh, skinny dipping at some point was brought up. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the multi-person, I think it was like 30 people on a zoom call that you said was organized and people, you know, were connecting in your family and friends. And I was like, "What? that would never happen in my family. Uh, <laughs> so those are two things that stood out to me, but never the ultimate thing was the, the energy that we had. It was just hilarious and fun.
1: Yeah. And, and what's, what's fascinating <laughs> again in, in this and, I, and I'm not too sure how because this pandemic what's it like in your kind of area and space but in mine we're we're now going through another call it like third wave and more lockdowns and more restrictions and in that because of it there's such a huge craving for just that in-person um, kind of feelings again connections hugs relationships and so because of all that I did try to like put myself in that kind of mindset, that shit, man. If I could just meet you, Phil, and just be chilling on a beach, just kicking it, boy, oh, boy, would that be, like, so much fun.
0: Agreed. I was there in my mind. I was like, we are there right now, and it is a dandy time. (laughs) <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so, so on the heels of that, then uh, we set up a little call. It was like thirty minutes, maybe, and, and we just talked about just different perspectives. But one of the things, as I'm looking at myself on this video, and I'm seeing your lights in the background, and I've got lights now because I copied you, and you showed me, dude, get these from Amazon, whatever. Like, it adds such an amazing vibe to not only this call here, but also videos in general. Would you agree?
1: A hundred percent. I think at times, like. We as like content creators, and I think all of us in some shape or form, especially now with us all operating more and more behind screens, we're all creators. And if you can create a space, an atmosphere, an environment that can help you become a better storyteller, uh, an individual that can hopefully tap into different emotions, um, creating that environment space to allow that to happen is everything. And, and watch how that's an unlock um, as we're all doing. So for myself again, yes, whenever I want to be a little bit more introspective um, or if I want to like communicate frustration, anger, these lights will change colors to reflect that. Um, and it does allow me to start that process of just becoming more zoned into that framework, which is always great. And so right now my lights for everyone who cannot see is green because I thought with Phil here, I'm gonna get a little bit more introspective um, around this kind of conversation.
0: I dig it, and so let's see. I've got, I think I've got maybe a little bit of green and some blue, and I do not uh, delve as deeply into the understanding of all the the colors and what they mean necessarily yet. I will be there one day. I think I heard red was anger, or, or yep. like you know intensity. So what's the what's the blue bringing?
1: So, and I I haven't. I always go back to them, and I keep on forgetting. But I believe blue like symbolizes like technology. It also can also symbolize like sort of being introspective and thoughtful. And again, like there's there's subtle subtle cues when it comes to colors. And that's why you'll see all of the apps like are on our phones. Watch how certain categories of apps all have a certain color. Watch how some of our like sort of money or institutional transaction apps all come with like a certain color or social media apps have a certain color. And the reason why is because... I mean, when you click that button, you're already in a different framework and a different perspective of when you go into things. So that's why you'll see some of those dating apps, yes, come with those brighter colors of optimism, love and things like that to symbolize it. So when you get into it, it's already starting to paint that picture through those color palettes. And so that's I, I nerd out about um, design and technology and emotions, always nerding out about that topic.
0: As I heard your wife in your music video say, he's a big nerd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And so to give her a quick context, so um, one of the ultra-speaking challenges that we had because we were doing these like kind of daily challenges was this idea of um, singing. And so I'm not a singer. I don't sing. I don't rap. I don't do none of that. But my wife um, is a beautiful singer. And so I got her to come on to... Um, my challenge where I was speaking and she was kind of like punctuating my um, speaking moments with a, a, a improv singing while she was playing the guitar. And so, yes, she punctuated that I was a nerd when I was talking the story, or telling the story about my video games experience or esports experience.
0: <laughs> it was fab. Uh, just the, the the dynamic between you two and how when she would say it and you just laugh and smile, which is. <laughs> Your go-to, by the way. Uh, of course, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. I'm sure it's intentional. It's, I would imagine the inside shining out of, you are a happy dude. You choose to be joyful even in the face of, of challenge. Does that sound right?
1: You know what? Yes. Um, at times, I, I, people have said, and which I, I've done in terms of reflections, I, I'm a blind optimist. So I, I, it, it is good. It's a good trait, and it's also a bad trait. Like there, There's a yin and yang to it. And so even in tough situations, hard situations when i should even to take a step back um i, I do have like just like no a workout in itself it'll always be good it, we can kind of find the win out of that we can find the positivity out of that and it has its bad moments but at the end of the day um i believe and like faithfully follow optimism blindly
0: yeah and I, I resonate well with that i mean my kids I've got a 19-year-old, he's at Ball State University in Indiana, and uh, one of the complaints, either him or my 12-year-old, maybe both, maybe all the kids are like, my dad is too positive. Like, this is ridiculous. No one's that happy. No one's that positive all the time. But that's my default. I mean, it's find the joy, find the gratitude and everything. And there's always something to be grateful for. But I would like you to speak more into what you were saying on the negative side. What are there any specifics that come to your mind? Like, dude, this one time when I was that way, it kind of bit me because of this. Is there anything that stands out to you?
1: Yeah, um, lots. <laughs> um, so my my first business was a clothing store that I started back in university. Um and in my particular city here in Canada, um we have like the biggest mall. At one point we had the biggest mall in North America, and I think we have the biggest mall across Canada and things like that. And in this um concept or in the city a lot of people we had a retail store that was like a storefront in our downtown core and in that because we have such harsh winters in my city um, people tend to go to the malls during the winter time versus uh the retail front stores and things and so in that um we always held out in sort of creating a community of people who loved certain brands certain styles that we embodied us and that we were bringing and curating out of the store and during that time, I mean, we had some really hard times where we still, like, just because I fell in love with this particular brand, I was like, no, we can still push it. People will do it. We got to tell more stories. We got to do this. And I blindly did that without really listening to my customers, mm. the community, the audience. And at times, that, 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 I guess you could say, perseverance, that framework, that mindset is very important. But then you have to really be also completely open to what the community wants, your audience, your customers, your um, friends, your family, just like the people around you that are basically you're serving, you have to always focus on what their needs are and what they care about. Because I guess in the framework of business, your customers are always, that's that's where that cliche customers are always right are from. Like if they're not buying, it's because they don't want it. And yes, you can educate them. And yes, you can put new styles and things towards them. But you still have to make sure that you're satisfying what they want and what that demand is.
0: Nice. I appreciate you sharing that. So regardless of the level of positivity or optimism, if it's not lining up or matching with what someone's communicating to you, whether it be their, their actions, their habits, or even their words, saying, Hey, man, I appreciate you making this for me, but it's not jiving with me. I, I kind of would maybe rather this. And you're like, But look how awesome this is, right? Totally.
1: And so- and, and- And let's call what it is. I mean, when when they have their dollars, like where their dollars go and where their dollars don't go, that says a lot too. And so, um, from my experience with my first business of having a clothing store, I realized a lot of sort of the power of community. And two, to your point, Phil, um, really listening to what people are doing, and also not just their words but their actions more importantly, because a lot of people would also say to us, "Oh, we love this brand. We love these styles. This is dope. This is cool. This is fresh." And then leave out the door <laughs> without buying anything. So if it truly was fresh and dope and cool and I loved it and I loved the styles and I loved the quality, then you would buy it. Or you 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 know try to work your way into grabbing it or copying it at some point in time. And so um, really learning how to understand and, again, see people's behaviors and mannerisms was uh, huge learning. And optimism sometimes clouds that up quite quickly, and it's important to acknowledge that that – is a possibility, and hopefully change how you react.
0: I dig it. So, is there a way that is there any leftover merch from back in the day? What's the What's the deal with the clothing stuff from from that?
1: <laughs> it was a, a slow. It was a slow bleed out, but unfortunately, no. It's all officially gone. But like we did have a lot of merch when we finally kind of closed the doors and everything, and then um, had lots of friends who got a lot of hookups, got a lot of deals. Um, at that eighty percent, ninety percent off, just so we can clear it out. Um, but no, it's it's all gone.
0: All gone. <laughs> and when was the last the last item? When did it go or sell or give?
1: Oh, so so I had my clothing store. I started it back in uh 2008, okay. and so we had that all the way up to uh, 2012, 2013, and so that was the time when we kind of let go of the last box of gear that we just said hey. Here's a final price for all what's in here. Just take it or leave it, and someone's like, okay, I'll take it.
0: Gotcha. And what was the brand name?
1: Of the clothing store? Yes, sir. It was called Room 322 Lifestyle Clothing.
0: Room 322 Lifestyle Clothing. And what's 322 have to do with – am I'm got to imagine there's a symbolism in there.
1: <laughs> totally. So there was this concept, um, and I forgot where we got it from. There's this concept that in the White House, there's an exclusive room that no one has access to. Other than the president's called Room 322, and so we wanted to be your exclusive room, your exclusive place, and you, so we just ran with that idea. You <laughs> can't get this anywhere else but here, baby. Nope, nowhere else. And like again, um, in my particular city, like when we first started that, we for major events and activities that would happen all of us got so sick and tired of like kind of that concept. Whenever we go looking all fresh and someone is wearing our same t-shirt or same outfit or same kicks, and it was devastating at times. And so because of that experience, you know, we wanted to scratch our own itch by launching our own clothing store. And we did a lot of things like just bringing in one size run of a particular style, just to make sure that no one else literally in the city and sometimes in the province um, would not have that particular piece of clothing at all. And so it was super dope to kind of bring that experience um, to our customers and our sort of community here.
0: That's exclusive, baby. I love it.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So speaking of exclusive, uh, you are the only person I know that has ever posted a video or been on with Gary V. And and I was fangirling out hard when I saw that. I was like, wait, what? What, uh, Tell us about that.
1: So, oh, that was crazy. So it, it I had an opportunity where um, at the beginning, before Gary B. had his tea with Gary, before that concept existed, he was doing some, like, prototyping and his, you know, his his random, like, moments in time where he'll just kind of pull people in and invite them into these, like, little one-on-one conversations. So one night, um, I randomly just decided, and it was probably literally... I've been following Gary V for probably now about three or four years, but I, I don't necessarily always am chiming into things. And I decided, like, out of this is like my second time um, through his text kind of community, I chimed in on something and I got a response, and I was like, "What the hell? Who is this?" Right,
0: right. What bot is
1: talking to me right now? Exactly. And then in that quick response, he mentioned, because he liked the question that I asked, that, hey, cool, would you be ready to ask this question tomorrow at this time? And I didn't believe it. Like, I didn't believe I would have that moment in time. And then suddenly, quite quickly and promptly, like, I remember he was doing this, like, show at about 7 a.m. Eastern. So then for my time zone, it was like 5 a.m. So I was like, okay, let me just do this anyways. And then, like, when it came up to me, I remember I, I finally got the link to queue up. And I was like, shut up. I'm not going to go talk to Gary B. And then when I had his moment, when I, when I finally had him on and they said, hey, like, he's like, hey, Robert. I was like, holy shit. Like, it is, it is true that, like, I don't. let me take a step back. I do not have necessarily, like, I'm not I'm not really I don't really I'm not really I don't have idols or like I'm not a fan necessarily around different people but or or, or like a celebrity where I like I get all like jazzed up by celebrities like I I just don't care about that. Same. However, however with that moment with Gary v, I totally felt what it was like to kind of have that pressure and like to have like that opportunity to speak. So immediately like that went through my mind and then I just wanted to like Sees every second, not like like every second, every moment. And I was trying to like not let him go. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was speaking out of like nervousness. Um. Every time I would ask a question and he would respond, like I mean, we're talking split seconds after he's done saying something. I immediately jumped in because I didn't want to let him go. Don't leave me, and Gary. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so it was it was a dope experience. Um. He provided some like great insights around some like questions I had about you know creating content and stuff and running like my marketing agency, how to like pursue that. And then I went really also ultra because like my, my wife is a children's music singer and performer. And so I asked a question on her behalf on how what she should be doing how to create content. And then I also threw in a right hook to I said to him, Hey, would I could I interview you? Could I could you jump on my podcast? And then unfortunately, he was doing a tour at the time right when the pandemic hit. And so that tour is going to push back to my city. And so I'm now, I built out, <laughs> you see it, Phil. I built out all of these content pieces, quoting him. So then once when I know that Edmonton Day is locked in, because he said um, he would allow me to interview him in the green room or when he comes in the city, yeah. um, I'm going to hit him hard with all of it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to hit him hard with, with his words, my interview, everything. I'm going to spam the shit out of him. Yeah. And then I'm going to get the city um, with, like, all of my people that I know around the city to also tag him in this stuff um, just so he knows that, hey, yo, keep your word. Like, keep your word.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm in, I'm in on the army for that. So when that happens, I'm freaking spamming the hell out of him, too. So let's do it. Oh,
1: respect for that, Phil. Respect. <laughs> I dig
0: it. So, okay, for those who don't know, pretend that they live on a rock or they don't follow, who in the heck is Gary V? Who are we talking about?
1: Yeah, so ultimately Gary V is uh huh, how to put him. End of the day, he is a businessman that like manages a big multimedia company that specializes in content creation. And then he's all about all things digital. And what makes him unique and different than everyone else is really his framework around calling people out. And I don't know if I can cuss. Yes, on this. do it. Bring it. <laughs> calling people out on their bullshit. So we as um, communicators, operators, and just call it people. Um, we are always causing these fake moments, and we're always being having excuses for the reason why we're not doing, the reason why we're not performing, the reason why we're not challenging ourselves, the reason why we're not growing. And it's super important to like call or or almost stop talking shit (laughs) and and then really focus on what is our obstacles and then just trying to chip away at it, pushing through it. And so he really works that system and dynamic.
0: Yes. So a a video that, that he uh, did, I don't know, probably six months ago, whatever. It shocked me. And there's so many times where like that gets that blood boiling, like your goosebumps, like he is resonating right now. And for, so he was talking about school and the public school system and, and what it did for him or didn't do. And for me, school came natural. It was easy, you know, it was fun, you know, whatever. But it's not true for most or many people, I should say, not most, many people. It does not serve them well. It's not geared to the critical thinkers who challenge things. You're a troublemaker in many teachers' minds, not all. There are some teachers who, who build that up. And, but nevertheless, for him and his experience, he said, fuck school. School didn't give a shit about me, and fuck school and in my mind only the bad kids would say something like that the the troubled right. people who who belong in jail or who you know they're deviants or misfits they say things like that but but successful powerful you know influential people they don't say that you don't do drugs and you go to school and you know that's the things you do
1: yeah totally. and
0: to flip that on its head and say no you can say the way that school served me was not effective and and it's not a one size fits all for everybody and so if, if you either as a parent have a child who struggles in that, that that's okay like everybody learns different right
1: 100% and 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 to add to that phil which which is which is fascinating and something that Gary Vee explores a lot is like we're all unique people we all have different circumstances we all live and breathe in success that path of success that cliche of success looks different everyone so no you don't need to necessarily be a A and B student or an A student and not everyone's gonna be a doctor not everyone wants to go to post-secondary there's really options and when you look at times like with the internet at hand um, so again I have a marketing media content production studio that's my nine-to-five what brings food to my table and I'm not formally trained in any of that that's all self-taught um, I did go to university, but I went for other stuff. I did not go for about marketing or I didn't go for how to create content and work all those other items. So because of that, it, it's funny. Um, a lot of people would go to school and take those classes. But no, because of the Internet, because of this technology, we can learn all of this stuff as we see fit. If we have that passion and that focus and if we require that traditional framework, then yes, then sure. Go your school route and things. But Boy, oh, boy, is school not going to produce success. Like It doesn't mean you go to class, you go into debt, and then suddenly it's okay. I'll have my safety net job. That, those days are gone. Those days are dead, yeah. especially now.
0: Yeah, no, it's, that's definitely true. And so I, I think it's a word, word of encouragement for a couple of different people. I'll say for my son, right? He's 19. He wants to be an actor. You know, He wants to fulfill his, his passion and dreams and whatever, and he's going the school route for that, you know? regardless of if how that works out in the school route or not it's that that drive that passion that connection with a human being and, and like you said telling great stories connecting with people and emotion like if we can do that as a practitioner and we are about that life then regardless of what avenue we go that's going to be a successful route versus I checked the box I got my degree I got my 80,000 in debt now I, I deserve this job and this career path right? And like you said, that is not true at all.
1: A hundred percent. Because, again, we we sometimes, because of the world, and let's be honest, because of, again, the double-edged sword of the internet and technology, we perceive, like, success sometimes in those monetary and stuff and things. But truly, um, and this is another cliche, but truly, success is like getting up to do something you're passionate about you know, having that energy to keep going in life. And that's, that's the true value. And so if you could pick a job, if you could pick work that you love to do, then there's that other idea and concept that then you'll never work another day in your life because you love doing this. Like if you truly love creating content, acting, performing, being a doctor, engaging people, customer service in whatever capacities within whatever industry that you just fall in love with, that's the dream. Like, like that's the dream because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like, necessarily about those dollars and cents because all of that's just, let's be honest, it's all bullshit yeah. in some capacities. Like, there's so many people who fake their their artificial areas and moments in time around how much money they're making, and they're not happy, they're and painful. And then, let's be honest, vice versa, there's a lot of people who are sitting there going, like, are you kidding me? Like, of course I need like, I need money. Like, I worry about money. Like, I need to make sure those ends meet to for, have those fulfillments so I can – not have to focus on the day-to-day survival and so there's like a balance of both worlds but i think that's the perspective and framework we need to be quote-unquote successful in life
0: yeah, that sounds accurate to me. So I've heard something uh, about amounts of money, right? Because I say that that regularly as well. Like it's not about the amount of money; it's about the amount of joy and energy that you can get in the process, and then those who you serve. But again, let's be real: if you make twelve thousand dollars a year while you do that on a consistent basis, you're going to have a lot of pain and suffering. And so,
1: 100%.
0: so there's a there's a we'll call it the the, the sweet spot right and so i've heard it said in america you know approximately like around 70k like if you make you know below 70k it's affected a little bit once you hit like 70k then like your mentality your habits your practices if you settle into that like you your needs are met you if you live a re- you're not excessive you live a reasonable lifestyle like then that is like if you make 70 versus 140 versus 240 there's no substantial increase in happiness it's more about now what you make about your life and your habits. What, what can you say about that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and again, everything's contextual to that particular community and framework. So um, A, you're right within like that North American standard. And then obviously when you move to different regions, different countries, different cities, that changes. And, and, I, and I think ultimately, which I'm always trying to reframe it and calibrate it, it's all about – kind of speaking to seeing money as like a byproduct and not the end picture so if i truly am passionate about the work i'm doing and i'm actually putting in real work around it and trying to improve and get better and really deliver value not to myself but deliver value to the people around me and that value has a monetary gain then a by, by, byproduct of that should be then cool. I should hit those certain goals or thresholds monetary, mo- like in those monetary modes in comparison to others. So what the hell am I saying? What I'm saying is ultimately if I'm making – in a world of the average person is making 50000 70000 80000 and – in the work I'm doing I'm only producing 10,000 5,000 just no money and clearly there's still a lot of work I need to do in my passion there's still a lot of work I need to do in my work and so I need to pick up those 9 to 5 jobs and hustles to, so I can bring up the level of my passion in order to then hopefully drive home those dollars and cents when I first started doing my video production no one was paying me, (laughs) like when I first started, no one was paying me, and so I was doing pro bono spec work. As soon as I started seeing there was a demand, when people started to inquire because of my work I was delivering, then I started raising my money. And then as the years and then the decades came on, then suddenly I had more authority, I was more confident, I knew exactly what to do and how to kill a project, and then I started commanding my dollars and cents of what I wanted. And there was no questioning that because I had the evidence I had the process, and I had the track record to say this is what I'm doing and this is why. And this is why you need me because you don't have to worry about literally nothing. It will get done to these measures. So, again, I I think dollars and cents are a good calibration of understanding where you are in your passion. And then after that, it's just a byproduct. It's a game.
0: I dig it. So let's jump into uh, dollars and cents equating to eSports First of all, it is a shocker to me, and I've recently found this out because I'm old school, old soul like mentality of like people don't make money from video games, boys. <laughs> and that is so untrue. Freaking set me straight on that. What was that like for you and, and walk me through that?
1: Well let, let's we, we're gonna have to take a little bit of step step back in time. So yeah. back in um shoot, back in like ninety five. Um, There was a merging subculture of people who were playing video games online and competing. And this was the premise of what we know about today of esports. And in these subcultures, just like anything, um, there was a huge audience. There was a gigantic amount of people across the world who were playing and competing in a range of different games. And so in that world and space, quite quickly, um, there's a threshold. So when there's hundreds of thousands, then millions, and then tens of millions of people involved in this game, in this this culture of of playing with technology, Um, immediately the brands, the computer manufacturers, the chips, the keyboards, like all these companies realize there's an opportunity to explore the performance aspect of stuff. So quite quickly, back in high school, I had an opportunity to Um, Again, I was playing on some gaming teams, and a couple people invited me out to attend this tournament. And at the time, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to play in person a video game? This video game? Like, are you crazy? Like, what? And then I got it exactly and so i came to this giant warehouse where there was thousands of computers lined up in rows and this was what you call a land party and there was a tournament going on and the winners got like a small cash pr- uh, purse and then all these computer parts worth like a few hundred dollars and so we ended up killing the tournaments and then we won that and i got a taste of like are you kidding me so i can play a video game and win and make money or have <laughs> computer parts to sell to make money like are you kidding me is this heaven so then uh (laughs) fast forward like a year um over like our over like a span of two years we attended different tournaments up and down um in canada we're killing it we're winning all his prize money and then someone eventually approached us to say hey i can find you guys sponsors and i was like what are you talking about Find us sponsors so then he went out built a brand had some pitch decks and then we started representing um canada at qualifiers for some international tournaments and so Um, At a very young age, I was flying over to Korea, um, Monza, Italy, up and down the States, all across Canada, um, France, Paris, all playing video games, being a salaried um, player at the time. I was making $2,500 a month, and then at these prize purses for each tournament, I mean, teams were walking away with like 70K was like for first place, 50 for third, and then like 30K for like third place, going all the way down to 24th place was walking away with like $1,000, all under the backbone of this esports, and this was back in 2000 and then fast forward to present day um the booms and the, the skyrocket where there's players um, i'm not sure if you realize this but back in i think it was about two years ago or three years ago there was um a Fortnite tournament where the player of that walked away with 14 million dollars and then at the same time There was a Wimbledon, uh, and excuse me, I don't follow tennis, but there's a Wimbledon tournament. And the winner out of that walked out, I think, with nine million. And that was was the best comparison of where esports is and where this huge decades and decades old traditional sport is. And it just shows that it's two different universes. Like esports is the biggest sport in the world, period, full stop
0: that's wild because then you go back to in my mind right you know go outside and play if you just waste your life away playing these video games you're gonna amount to nothing eating cheetos and (laughs) like nah man i'm on my way to 14 mil get off me
1: so so and and what's funny was so in my like high school days my parents would um write down my times of how long i was playing on the computer and they didn't understand like there was no such thing as esports they didn't understand why is my son yelling at this computer screen? Because this is a team-based game, so you're talking to your computer screen.
0: All right, wait, wait. Then, so let's, let's break it down. Let's break it down. What's the specific... Okay, other than Fortnite, are there other specific games? Overwatch, is that one of them?
1: So that's one of them. Um, okay. The game that I played was a game called Counter-Strike.
0: Counter-Strike. Okay, gotcha. That was your major... That was your deal?
1: That was my deal. Okay, I'm so following. It was so it was, it was a team-based game. It was like five versus five. And in this game... You have a team, so you have microphones, and you're talking to your team as you're planning and playing and strategizing and moving throughout this gaming and competing with, one, um, with the other team. And in that, there's emotion, obviously. So you're yelling. You, 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 you mess up and you die. You start cussing and everything. And so my parents didn't understand what their child was going through yeah. while this is all happening. And I'll never forget this. They would do actions like they would cut the internet off to stop me from playing. Yeah. But then I would, I would rebuy the internet and reactivate it. Hacker. They, they would um, take all of my power cords from my computer so that I would buy extra power cords that I knew where they always were and so I could hook them back up. And then it wasn't until I, – I think one of the breaking points was, was when I said to them, I'm going to, this, going to Toronto and, um, and I'm, I'm 14 years old. So I said, I'm going to Toronto, and I'm going to this qualifier to see him play. And my parents still didn't understand. They're like, whatever. We're going to send your brother with you, but we're not, we're not giving you no money. We're not giving you nothing. It's all on you. And I said, okay, fine. So I went. I, we won that qualifier. And that was a qualifier to go to um, the World Cyber Games, which was the equivalent to the Olympics of video games at Boom. the time. Boom, Um And it was, a, and it was hosted at South, in South Korea. So um, I won that. And I told them, hey, we won that, so I'm going to South Korea. And they're like, what? There's no way we're going to pay for anything around South Korea. And I was like, no, no. It's all paid for.
0: I got this, mom and dad.
1: <laughs> it's all paid for. There's going to be 70 different countries, and I'm going to be going to South Korea for a week and a half. And they're just like, uh, okay. What? And, and the deciding factor that changed, the, it changed their mindset and they started bragging about my video games was when one of their um, – at work, their colleagues came up to him said, hey, I just read this article about Robert and he, how he's going to play this game in South Korea. That is so cool. And they're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was, it was game over. Like they, they, they supported it. They, they loved it. They liked it. They challenged me on it. And then um, esports just became uh, part of my life.
0: So what, is the, what was the transition from that level of lifestyle, travel, engagement to where you are now? Where's the gap and what did that look like? What's the transition?
1: So it came to the point, like I, at one point in time, I was traveling maybe like nine times or nine to like, like basically every month. I was charging like traveling once or twice a year to a different tournament or a different place around the States. And it was, it was great. It was a great experience. I loved every aspect of it. And it came to a point where I had an opportunity to start my first business, the clothing store, and attend university full time. And I could only do two of the three. So I decided to switch things up. I decided to, like, start to – and I started to think at a young age that, hey, I mean, how – and I was a dumbass. Don't get it twisted. I was a dumbass. (laughs) I was like, how long and how prosperous could I make it in video games? So let me take a step back. And in that step back, <laughs> that year my team ended up getting drafted into this huge, um, into this huge tournament that was televised. They won it. End of the day, that year they all made a quarter mil oh. while <laughs> that in a year spat a quarter mil while like I just had my little part-time job hustle type of thing. So it was it was a jab at the heart. I was in love and I was happy that they won it. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I felt that I needed to. Really focus on school because I wanted to learn a lot about why esports existed. Like I, I couldn't understand at the time, why the hell are these companies willing to put millions of dollars into these teams, these um, game tournaments, and these platforms? And it was because of the marketing it was because of the dollars, it was because of the audience that we curated, that everyone wanted our computer parts. Everyone wanted our computer systems. Everyone wanted our specs. Everyone wanted to know what was our configuration and why we use this keyboard versus that keyboard. And we were selling millions of dollars worth of merchandise because people wanted and aspired to play like us. Damn. And I wanted to learn all aspects of that. And so I went into um, university to learn more about marketing and get a, b- a degree in business to understand why.
0: I like it. So your the the curiosity and your inquisitiveness drove that. As I've got to dig deeper. Like I could keep going. This it's a question mark. Business is always there. It's always been there. It's always probably going to be there. Is esports always going to be there? That was where you were. You weren't sure, and you made the bet. And ultimately, I mean, you're, you've learned a lot. But at the same time, again, it's like I I just sold off a, a box of T-shirts at ninety percent off when my guys made two fifty. Like
1: what? A hundred percent. And and like to be blunt, I mean uh, I I'll never forget this. At the time, my gaming manager who built this huge epic gaming um like dynasty, at that time asked me if I wanted to go into management, and I was so gung ho about being a player. It's like no no, I, it's a player or nothing. But then his dynasty that he bought that he got that he built i mean he ended up selling that to twitch so i don't know the numbers but it was in the millions it was in the millions so like like dumbass move after dumbass move (laughs) (laughs) let's put it that way like dumb move after dumb move but I, i use those learnings as like just I remember what it felt like. I remember when I had those indecisiveness of stuff. And so I use that to understand and calibrate whether or not if I should make this choice or if this venture that I'm in right now is leading up to something interesting, bigger and better. And I have the patience because that's going to circle back again an opportunity like that.
0: That seems to make sense to me. So, okay, Bobby T. today, going back and, and advising Bobby T. then, dude, go into management and get the mills. Is that is that the advice?
1: <laughs> that is. And you know what? I, I think – my blind optimist side, yeah. there's, there's, there's value in everything. There is. The, what the relationships that I had in university, the, um, conversations, the understanding, the dynamics of running a clothing store full-time while attending university full-time. That was in my opinion, a double education. Like I remember having so many deep discussions and conversations with my professors about how, what they're teaching was bullshit. Cause I implemented it that day, the other week, or I'll implement it tomorrow and that was like a double education. The, the learnings of that store was basically the foundation that allowed me to truly understand how to um, build community, how to manage a business and run a business, successfully and not successfully the things not to do and then more importantly the value of relationship building and how through relationships that is everything and if i did not start that clothing store at ten university i would never have gotten i think those learnings or maybe i would have by just building out esports yeah. so it's it's ebb and flow but learned a lot but the advice i would give old school bobby t would be just Keep like double down on yourself. Mm. Like you have, you know what you're trying to do. So keep going. So whatever you think is best, do that. And don't let those outside influences direct you too much.
0: I dig it. And then it's, it's don't look back, man. There's no way to go back. There's no regrets or some people get the tattoo. No Uh, (laughs) regrets. But nevertheless, you learn and it's valuable. And what you learn is, is so much better than money, right? Connecting with human beings, relationships, those things are perpetual. Eternal, they always bring a, a, a return regardless if it's money or not. That brings true joy from what I've seen. Um, there's a saying in, in Hebrew, and it's called Gam Zu Le tovah, which means this too is for the good. That's dope. And so there's a famous rabbi, and oh, the worst things happen to him, just the absolute worst things. And every time, this too is for the good. This too is for the good. I trust the Creator. I trust that the universe is running the way it's supposed to run. And I, I just settle into that. I have no control over a lot of things, and I'm okay with that. This, too, is for the good. Don't sit there and, and boo-hoo about it. Don't be complaining. Don't you know? settle in that mire. Let's keep moving forward, right?
1: A hundred percent because, I, again, we cheered to the process, and I obsess over the process. And And the reason why is to your exact point, like, there's so much that's not in, that we're not in control of, that by us really being present and doubling down on the ups and the downs, it will build us to be a stronger. And in that process, yes, no regrets, but yes, of course, reflect, understand, learn from what just just happened in the present and then also in the past to make sure that you don't fall the same traps or the same tricks over and over again, and that you just grow in some capacity. And so. Hundred percent, and that's such a powerful that's such a powerful saying, and that's so dope. And that's why, again, I I try to focus on the process, not the final results, not the output, because who cares? It's about the process.
0: The process can then be repeated and learned from, and it's it's amazing. So Seth Godin has a book out called The Practice. Uh, I've re- read it recently. Same thing exactly. It's about the process. You put a YouTube video out there, you get two views. You put another YouTube video out, you get three views. You keep doing the same thing if you know that you've seen other people succeed like Gary Vee with Wine TV and having basically nobody, and you roll with what is your strength, and you'll get better, 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 and then bam, right?
1: A hundred percent because being present, continuing to push by learning, executing, and learning by executing – that in itself will start the process of delivering results and it's not to like be head down blind that you're putting out the same thing that's not working it's to learn during the journey and tweak and move and understand and test and experiment and try again and repeat not not just do nothing (laughs) and not to dwell or not to just sit idle and more importantly at times which is i think such a item that we all sometimes fall trap is the forever perpetual research like right now whatever you're trying to do whether it's starting a podcast starting a vlog starting uh, a xyz company starting a new business starting your own personal branding whatever you can go down a disgusting rabbit hole of youtube videos or blog posts how-to guides about everything you might need to know but you need to just do it and then consult those resources and then refine and then do it again and then repeat and rinse in that process.
0: Fall on your face as many times as you need to. So as we're talking about this here, I, I started journaling, I don't know, six months, a year ago. And one of the the ones that stand out to me significantly is I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to be shit. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because totally. I'm taking action and I'm going to learn way more in this is like, I don't know, number 12 or somewhere thereabouts versus one, I will be much more knowledgeable, I know, to get the Zoom pod track P4 because if I record directly into Anchor, the internet's going to shut down and I'm going to record <laughs> seven minutes as opposed to whatever I want because this is reliable. That's what I'm learning from the process. And then I keep building on that foundation. And now it's just – I don't even think about that because I already learned it. It's, it's implemented. And now you move on to learning new things, right?
1: Well, 100%. Like I've been podcasting for four years, And learning, experimenting, failing, doing dumb things. I've done a podcast and I forgot to hit record. (laughs) One hour podcast, forgot to hit record. Like imagine breaking that down to your guests when you just had the most epic, like emotional conversation and you're like, straight up, forgot to hit record. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. and so in those moments you 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 say like, okay, shit, now I'm gonna have a checklist because I don't wanna ever experience not hitting the record button on a podcast. Right. Because I'll feel like a dumbass. Right.
0: And, and yep, keep going.
1: And I was gonna say, in those moments, it's like it's it's everything, and it's funny how a thing like podcasting could have a compounding effect in areas that you never seen. So I'm gonna circle back to even our little thing that we've been doing about ultra speaking one of the things a lot of people when i first started were saying was like hey you're such a good speaker you're such a good speaker why the hell did you, why are you here why are you here and i was like well i i don't i've never trained how to speak i haven't done any classes but then on reflection i was like oh yeah i've been podcasting for the past four years maybe there's been moments in time improv in podcasting so i was like maybe because of all of those reps all of those times where i was trying to improv engage people in conversation and trying to make things different impactful maybe i'm actually been training this whole time about how to become a better speaker and then like it it, it has those compounding effects in life because we're all being communicating we're all trying to tell stories and be in the moment and being present and i guess building relationships through dialogue
0: i i 100 agree so in uh, thinking about that storytelling and dialogue as we're going to start the uh, the wind down here um you, you have a son can i say his name yes cassius cassius he's famous to me uh the first time i saw robert we were in ultra speaking and of course cassius is like dude i want i want in on this so you pick him up and you're holding him and you're doing the 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 process you know you're doing your speaking with him and i'm I'm like dude what's his name you know and i'm like loving on him like and like, and so like i'm like yeah he's the heavyweight champ you know um so the thing with the storytelling though that resonates it resonates with all human beings however a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, it's going to sink deep. The teenage Cassius might not be so much into the Bobby T. stories for a time as I experienced in my house. Now, hopefully he's different, but in my household, the teenagers are like, your stories are lame. <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there, not to put a rainy cloud out there, but hopefully you can overcome what I cannot, which is touching the teenagers that live in your household.
1: Totally. You, you know what? I've been, Phil, first off, uh, thanks for sharing that because I, I've been always asking other dads what's it like at the adolesc- you know, adolescence when they start talking, when they start, like, you know, each kind of major stage. And so I, I haven't really had any conversations about teenagers, but that's fascinating. And one of the things I've been doing um, in my own little nerd world of content creation is actually I've been doing little recordings for Cassius for later in life, whatever period of time. And I'm hoping some of these recordings um, will hopefully center him or, or even to be interesting. And, and I'm being quite transparent in some of them yeah. in, in a real way that I don't know if that will bring him perspective or if it will have to, like, you know, he'll eat that up at a certain age when he matures and is at a different age. But it's fascinating. I've never even thought about teenage. that. haven't really crossed my mind. Teenage Cassius. And so when he starts to have his little big head and he's cool and. I'm not cool. I, I need I need to figure out ways to set him <laughs> set him in to make sure he knows that actually
0: <laughs> Yes. So this he, is what he, I was <laughs> Right. So he'll be into his version of esports at that time when your parents are like, dude, this isn't not a thing. And he's like, Dad, I'm telling you, it's a thing. And <laughs> and you'll be ready for that. So he, so one I guess tip I'll give is something that's worked for me that drives my children nuts is you you do the cool dad to the friends.
1: Oh, totally. And that
0: is a pathway in. So I, <laughs> I, so I have a story here. So we got, I got a podcast set up. Friends came over. I don't know, two weeks ago. My 16 year old has a boyfriend now. He's he's all right. Um, he's he's cool with me. I'm cool with him. But I was like, let's play poker. He's wanting to play poker. Let's come play poker. Your dad plays poker? Oh, that's that's sweet. Let's go. So I'm like, all right, come on over. So I, I'm like, while we're playing poker. We're going to record a podcast. You guys are the hosts. I'll get all the gear set up. Like, let's go. And what teenage boy doesn't love the sound of his own voice, right? 100%. In front of all these girls, right? So we got two mics. We got, like, four boys, like, three girls. We're all playing. No one knows the rules of of poker except for, like, two people. I'm the teacher, and I'm guiding the podcast. It was hurting cats, absolutely. It was absurd. But the boys had a blast. So the next day... They go to Sunday school. They're sitting in church, and and David, this boy, leans over to Ellie, my daughter, and he's like, "Hey, remember that time we were recording a podcast with Phil? That was awesome." <laughs> and she's just like, I, "Oh, but your daughter's
1: like, oh, like,"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. That-
1: Phil, yep. That is the greatest story. And <laughs> I am so going to do that. So with the friends and they'll have no other choice.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and so on top of that now in what 10, 12, 14 years, when that goes down, hit me up. We'll do it. We'll bring Phil in Mobley and we'll get down on
1: that. Totally. (laughs) That is such a great story. That's such a great strategy. Okay, cool. I will definitely do that. I I will definitely do that. I'm glad that you're inspired
0: by it because it was a blast. So, (laughs) so, all right, so let's, let's, let's start. keep winding down. Uh, We got favorite foods, spaghetti. What type of spaghetti, what type of sauce, type of noodles, and who makes the top two or three makers of this spaghetti here?
1: So, listen, I mean, I when I say my favorite food is spaghetti, like, I am a spaghetti fanatic.
0: Like Popeye fanatic. for spinach?
1: Like, I'm talking, like, I, I, I know from different noodles. I know if it's fresh noodles, if it's the dry noodles. I'm talking about for, like, that meat sauce, like, the type of meat, if it's a blended, if it's, like, all, like, just, like, lean meat, which kind of tastes dry, or if it's a blend between something, like, rich, like, there's, like, pork meat mixed in with the the beef and the sauce and tomatoes and so um always homemade love it um i could eat it literally i could eat it all month doesn't matter um i'm just a fanatic i love so my background is jamaican okay and so i'm fanatic about all things jamaican food but my kryptonite is spaghetti and
0: growing and up spaghetti it is jamaican it's not jamaican it's italian
1: no, it's, not, it's italian okay <laughs> and so i love i love my spaghetti food i love my spaghetti across the board and always eating it. And I'm always testing. And I always order it from different restaurants, too. always so, refine my, So who's the king?
0: My... Who's the king? Queen. Who's,
1: who's the king?
0: Yeah, who's the queen of spaghetti? King.
1: Of cooking or, or, yeah. or like...
0: Like, what, like... Like literally looking back in my past, this spaghetti that I ate like lit my toes on fire.
1: Oh, so the one... And it's so funny. I've tried to recreate and I could never. One time I was in Vegas for gaming... Um and we were eating at this restaurant and I was like, let me get the spaghetti meatballs. It was uh it was in the MGM, uh uh the MGM resort or hotel or whatever. And it was just I, I, I can't I can't tell you about it. Like it, it just it didn't make sense. It 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 was something from a different world. They were serving and that a, in
0: heaven is what we're saying. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: hundred yeah, percent. Okay. and I, I've never been able to recreate that and, and I'm always testing and experimenting, but I, I dream about it. Okay. I dreamt about it. <laughs> Got it. So,
0: so in the next 20 years, we're going to go to MGM and we're going to eat that spaghetti and we're going to experience a little taste of heaven.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent.
0: I like that plan. I'm right.
1: curious. What's your favorite food? Because I'm really curious about that.
0: Dude, so, so mine, I, I love Asian food as a general rule. Okay, If I just had to pop off right now, orange chicken from Panda Express is like so basic, but it is so amazing. Oh. <laughs> and so orange chicken as a general rule i would say is is up there uh we have a local thai restaurant here they lay down a sick masaman like a masaman curry with some peanut butter in it and that okay, okay. that's fire uh there's another place called lucky's donut they they make some egg rolls that i could eat literally 50 of them and just bloat <laughs> out so so asian food is the answer to that
1: that's dope that's yes. dope
0: yes sir um i was trying to think there was one one thing that you said that really lit me up, but now I'm lit up, so i I don't know if I can <laughs> gather my thoughts so thoroughly um but no spaghetti that that's that's it's seemingly yeah. so basic, but it's not whenever you really get down to the science oh. and the art of it, right
1: a hundred percent'cause i'm I'm not talking about just adding some tomato sauce and some meat and some spaghetti It was like, hell no, like okay. I'm talking about like cooking your stuff for, like, like half a day to get it to the right texture. Like, it's so delicious and so good. And, again, I, I'm such a fanatic for food.
0: I imagine, like, the first year that you were married and your wife put down, like, a ragu. And was like, you know, I know you like spaghetti. And you're like, get this shit out of my face. And you, like, sl- throw it against the wall. And you're like, this ain't spaghetti.
1: <laughs> well, it, 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 it's funny you bring that up. So um, I'm such a fan. And and let's be honest. Like, I, I, I built over the years kind of like – I guess, uh, a flavor profile that there's a huge difference between fresh ingredients and, like, call it the store-bought, pre-mixed, like, slamming things together. And I remember um, one day my wife made dinner, and I was just, like, I just went off. I was like, this is so good. This is so delicious. Like, this is awesome. Like, like good job. Like, this is so tasty. And she's like, I hate you. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean you hate me? She's like, I hate you. And I'm like, why? She's like, you're complimenting and saying it's so good because I decided to use fresh ingredients for this time. And this is why you're giving all these good comments. I'm like, well, start start using fresh ingredients. So, like, 100%. (laughs) Like, it's just a different experience. It's a different flavor. And so I I just – I love the process of food because it's – I don't know. Food, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I think I would be in the food industry just because it is so creative to watch dishes come together. And I I love my (laughs) – one of my most favorite movies is uh, Ratatouille. Ah. And I, I don't know if you see seen that kid's oh, yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, oh yeah. But I, the idea of how two different separate flavors, when combined, makes a whole different experience is just fascinating. It's, 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 it's something I nerd out about. It's something that goes into cocktail culture, which I am an other, another advocate and lover of and fan of. And so um, I just find flavors. And how they interconnect, and how that makes a brand new flavor is just a fun ex- place to explore.
0: Yeah, I love it. So I, I interviewed a guy on, on my other podcast called You Are the Star, and Doc was the star of that, and he talked about on his profile. I met him on Clubhouse, and like six different colors or more, and he's all about the, the cooking, and he's like, dude, it is a it is like another level experience when you're just like into it, you know, versus like let's just grab some food. Like, no, you uncultured swine, you that's not how you roll.
1: <laughs> totally. And like, again, with my um, media company, I have a, I've had a lot of clients who are tours and restaurant owners and watching and documenting how they build their dishes and why they built this and why they cooked it this way and the process of even cooking these ingredients and why they have to cook it in this method. It there's there's a method to the madness. And on top of that, there is once you see that it's it's I don't know, it's like a, it's like an unlock. Once you see the the veil behind um, some of these moments in time, these products, these services, then you, you're forever exposed. And so you don't want the typical thing. You just want, you want this awesome product.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. So talking about s- taking a peek behind the veil, right? All right, mm-hmm. so we're going to bring it back to the serious now for a second, which, of course, spaghetti is a serious, but let's get deeper. <laughs> All right, if you have the ability to put out on everybody's cell phone as a background – for one week, billion people. And you could have an impactful message that shows up. Like, dude, this will be a changing message. If you read it and you let it sink in, what's that message going to be from Bobby T?
1: That's a great question. Um, so you know what that message, I think that message would be to, again, with the underlying item around this, uh, have faith in the process. And the reason why I would um, have that message on people's screens is we're all experiencing challenges, ups, downs, um, a a range of different things. And we sometimes get lost in that moment as if that exact moment is the definition of everything. That's the end-all, be-all, not understanding truly that the pain that we're experiencing right now will allow us to, to really cherish and understand the ups when that day comes. And so in the journey that we're all doing, in the day-to-day work we're all hoping to accomplish, falling in love and trusting in the process will make us stronger, will make us grow. And if you truly <clears throat> take that mindset and framework, I mean, nothing will be the same. Nothing will hurt you as much um, and everything will have almost a, a, a reason behind it. It'll have a, you'll have, you'll see the way forward. And so again, I, I appreciate the ups. I appreciate the downs all because I know it's all part of the process. It's all part of the experience and that's life. Like as much as we all wish every single day was a win. Could you imagine if everything was just always this coming, then you would never appreciate you never appreciate what's good you never appreciate the word of what's good and so you have to experience pain you have to experience anguish you have to experience challenges and in, in those moments that's when we live yeah trust in the process
0: beautiful you cannot have hot without having cold
1: 100 percent.
0: i dig it so yes faith in the process love it how can people find you what's up throw out your promotion let's get it. let's get it bobby t what's up
1: so just on all social platforms, just Bobby T, Google it on Instagram, TikTok, every, everything, just, just Bobby T, you'll find me. Um, this was a phenomenal discussion. Phil, shout out to you for having this conversation. This was great. This was dope. I, I love this podcast. I love the questions. I love getting those reps in. I love the the drink of choice, the the, the splash to, to relive things. And this was a really fun experience. So thank you. And I i was happy to experience hennessy with you as this is your first time (laughs) yes
0: we connected on so many levels i'm so thankful and i wish you the very best i appreciate you and i definitely look forward to seeing you in so many other ways in the future my friend
1: all right likewise phil have a good one
0: all right peace my friend peace thanks for listening today's show was brought to you by humor Because I love hilarious things. So I want to encourage you right now to write down my phone number 574-303-8433 and text me something hilarious, quirky, goofy, unique that happened to you this week or this month. I want to hear it. Thank you so much for your support and listening to the show. That alone means the most to me. Peace. People people, poop people